0: Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. Glad to see everyone. Um, some of you haven't been here through this series. This is week five of five in our series called Strapped. And we certainly wouldn't want to be physically strapped. But many of us are financially strapped, and so we've been trying to help you with that. And so we'll do a quick review here at the beginning. Uh, for visual, we've been using the physical laws of balance to help us balance ourselves financially. So... First week, we talked that you need to have a reference point. In this case, with this bat, my reference point is to keep my eye on the very top of the bat, right? And if I do that, I can hold it up. But if I look away, I can't. So I got to keep my eye on it. I got to spy on it. And we're saying, first thing you and I need to do is spy on our finances. We need to keep track of where every penny goes. Okay? Need some kind of system to figure out where every penny goes. Week two, we talked about the third thing, clear objective. My objective, obviously, is to hold the bat up, right? That's my objective. That's my goal. That's what I'm working towards. And we said, if you're a Jesus follower, in particular, your goal should be to honor God with everything, not percentage. We're going to talk about percentages today, but not with a certain percent, but to honor God with everything. So when you look back at your spending from the, week one, Look at every penny, did that penny honor God, that penny, that dollar honor God, did that honor God? So that's our goal. And then, to keep the back, to keep it balanced, requires constant corrections. I've gotta constantly move my hand, otherwise I cannot keep it balanced. If I stop moving my hand, it falls. So we've been talking for three weeks about constant corrections. Week one, or week three, three, we talked about debt, debt's a bad thing, debt enslaves us, we need to get rid of debt, uh, not just sporadically, but a gazelle intensity, as fast and as hard as we can work at getting rid of that debt. And then we talked about what you do with your extra, and we all have extra, doesn't feel like it, doesn't look like it, but we all have extra, we got clothes to wear and food to eat, and a roof over our head, you have extra, because many people in the world don't. Then last week we talked about constant corrections in your spending. So if you've got a spending plan or a budget, we look at ours every month and say, oh, we're a little short over here. We got extra here. We'll move this over here. So you need constant corrections in your spending. So today we're going to try and pull it all together and we're going to talk about uh, this concept of uh, a spending plan. So consequently, you and I basically have five things we can do with our money. All right, here they are. We can spend it. Repay debt, pay taxes, save it, and give it. And for most people, if we're honest, that's our priority, right? Priority number one is to spend it. Buy food, clothing, transportation, whatever else. That's priority number one. Priority number two is repay debt. Uh, if you still have debt, you haven't made it the most first priority because you still have it. Uh, taxes, basically the government, some people don't pay it, but the government pretty much enforces that. If you haven't used it all up by then, hopefully you're saving some of it. A lot of Americans don't, but you should be saving some of it. And then, of course, giving it, being generous. That is the priority for most people. Now, if we're honest. Now, let me just kind (laughs) of rephrase that same list. So how else would that list might look uh, on our next slide? Spend it, who's spending it? Me. Uh, Who's repaying the debt? Who made the debt? Me. Who pays the taxes? We would say we. (laughs) But, you know, I'm paying it to to the government. Uh, Who's saving it or who am I saving it for? I'm saving it for me. Uh, And I give it. Who do I give it to? Well, I give it to God and others. So, God and others are where? Position number five at the bottom. That's the least important priority. Talking about priorities. Another way to describe this is leftovers. What's left over gets given. And for many people, there's no leftover, so there's no giving. Now, the funny thing is, even if this is our, our, our lifestyle, and we live this way, and giving's the least important priority to us, anytime we have a financial need, none of us hesitate in praying this prayer God. Would you help me? Would you help me sell my house? Would you help me get an increase in pay? Would you help me get a new job? Would you help me? Would you help me? Would you help me? Now let me just ask you something. (laughs) If you were God and I made you the least important priority I had and you came to me and asked me for help, what, what would be my inclination? Well, you didn't care about me. Why should I care about you? Now that isn't God's attitude exactly. But that's the way I think he would think, or you, you and I would think. So let me summarize this. The way you prioritize, the way I prioritize my personal finances represents even, either an open door or a closed door when it comes to God. And we're going to look at some, some verses from the Bible that's going to explain this. So when I put God as priority number five, I'm living if my life is, I'm going to use closed fist or open fist. You can use window. The scripture is going to use window. So when God and giving is priority number five, I'm living with a closed fist. Now, the interesting thing about closed fists, you can't get anything out of my fist, but I also can't get anything into my fist. Same thing with doors or windows. So, with that priority, I'm living my life with a closed fist. When I, and we're going to talk about, make God a priority, when I open my hands, it's an invitation for God to get involved in this area of our lives. An interesting thing, and many of you can give testimonies to this, when you do that, this weird thing happens. In fact, we would say this, I don't understand it. We had somebody share after the first service. It didn't make sense. He was an engineer, and he said, I did the numbers. It didn't make sense. But somehow, I had more money. I saved more money. I gave more money when I did it God's way. Now, we're going to look at a a part of the Bible called Malachi. It's at the very end of the Old Testament. So if you know where the New Testament starts, just flip back a couple pages, you'll be in Malachi. Now, Malachi was a prophet to the nation of Israel about 400 years before Jesus. So there's 400 years between the Old and New Testament. So he was uh, explaining to the, the, the Israelites, especially the Israelite leaders, how they had gotten off track majorly off track. Now they lived under a sacrificial system. So when you went to church, you brought an offering to pay for your sins. And you were supposed to bring what? The best sheep or goat that you had. Well, what had happened was that people were bringing the goats or sheep that, had, that were blind or, or lame or diseased. This was what they were bringing for their offering. And so Consequently, giving was not the priority. Giving the best was not the priority. They were just going through the motions, giving the least, least possible. Now, if you're God, do you feel honored that way? We, uh, give you, we were invited to dinner yesterday, which was awesome. Um, and this, this, this family actually made a vegan meal for us, and that wasn't normal for them, so it was a lot of work for them. Now, if we went to their house and say, hey, guys, we had, uh, we had uh, spaghetti last night, so we thought we'd serve you leftovers tonight. How do you think we would have felt? We wouldn't have felt very honored, would we? Because well, we feel very honored. They worked hard to, to make meals, uh, uh, vegan dishes that we, we could eat. That was special honor to us. And so God wasn't feeling very honored about them bringing the lame and the, <laughs> and the diseased and the blind sheep and goats for for sacrifices. So we're going to pick it up in Malachi chapter 3. It's a short book, only four chapters. You could read it in five or ten minutes yourself. So he says, this is not something new. He said, ever since the days of your ancestors, you scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. So he says, now, all right? Instead of that, return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, God hadn't gone away, but... They had closed fists, so God couldn't get close to them. So this is a conditional statement. This is a uh, cause and effect. This is a if-then. So if you'll return to me, I will return to you. If you move toward me, I'm able to move toward you. Now, the amazing thing is God's patience. This has been going on for hundreds of years, right? And God's still willing. He's still waiting. If you just return to me, I'll return to you. God's amazing patience with them and with us, obviously, right? He keeps waiting. He'll wait and he'll wait and he'll wait. He doesn't stop waiting. And so then he started pushback. We all push back against God, don't we? But here's a pushback against the prophet here. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? We haven't gone anywhere. We still come to the temple. We're still Jewish. (laughs) We still worship this way. And the prophet doesn't answer that question, but he uses another illustration, a more... A difficult one, possibly. <clears throat> so then he asked the question, should people cheap, go, cheat God? Some translations use the word rob God. Should people cheat God, rob God? Yet you have cheated me. You've robbed from me. And they again ask, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean we've taken, robbed you, or stolen from you? When do we ever cheat you? This time the prophet, speaking for God, answers he says, you have cheated me or robbed me of tithes and offerings due to me. These were due to me. Now, a little explanation, Old Testament system. A tithe was 10%. And in their, in their culture of their day, you were to bring 10% of your income to the temple to support the priests. The priests didn't have income, so that for them to have food and clothing, people all brought 10%, and that Provided food and clothing. But they also had a double tithe. So every year you're supposed to bring 20%, 10% on a regular basis. Once a year, another 10% for this huge party, (laughs) celebration, kind of like 4th of July this week. Uh, Can you imagine? What a party would take 10% of our income, everybody's income. Now, part of that was set aside for the poor. Uh, That was the other purpose of that second tithe. So they were actually double tithing. Or they're supposed to be double tithing. And he said, you've been cheating me because you haven't been tithing, and on top of that, there should be offerings. So that would be more than 20% in their case. And so he goes on and explains, well, consequently, you're under a curse. That's not a very nice word, isn't it? You're cursed. The whole nation has been cheating me. What basically saying is, you've pulled away from me. I'm not involved. If I'm not involved, then you're cursed, Right? Giving is obviously not a priority to you anymore. <laughs> uh, obeying me is not a priority anymore. And this, the tithe actually goes back before Moses. But starting with Moses, God had given this promise. If you just obey the Ten Commandments, you obey the rules, then hey, I will bless you. Uh, I'll defeat your enemies. Your crops will grow. You'll have lots of healthy babies, etc., etc. The reason being, so other nations will say, hey, Israel... Who's your God? Because your God's better than our God. Because <laughs> you're winning the battles, you're growing your crops, and you're having plenty of babies. So that was the goal. The people to envy the God of the Israelites. But they weren't doing that. And so we get back to Malachi. Malachi said, he gives them a command. Now let me just say this about commands. There's lots of commands in Scripture. And we fall into this habit of just thinking commands or suggestions. <laughs> if you're military... Or ex-military, you know commands are not suggestions. And as Jesus followers, commands can't be cons- suggestions to you and I. Even though we think of them that way. So here's the command. Bring all the tithes. See, it was two tithes, more than one tithe. <laughs> into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple to feed the priests, right? He says, if you do, said the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will... Open the windows of heaven. I'll open the doors. I'll open my hands of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing. So great you won't have enough room to take it in. It's kind of like you ever have somebody pour stuff into your hand and they kept pouring and eventually you couldn't hold it anymore and it started spilling over. Well, that's the illustration that God's given us here. So, of course, we're pushing back. We're pushing back. We're saying, so God says, okay, just try it. You don't have to say I'm going to do this the rest of my life. Just try it. Try it for three months, whatever. Just try it. In fact, God goes farther than saying, try it. He says this, put me to the test. He said, I dare you, I double dare you (laughs) to do it the way and see what happens. Now, when he says test, it's not being presumptuous. Like Jesus, the devil said, jump off and the angels will catch you off the temple. That's presumption. No, that's not presumption. This is, okay, God, I'm going to see if you, you fulfill your promise. If you do what you say you do, I'm going to try it. That's what it is, about a test. So consequently, this is not about money, is it? This is about our hearts. This is about, do I really believe God? Do I really trust God? I got to thinking about that list. And I'm a married person. I have a spouse, wonderful wife. If I put my wife down at number five, how well is she going to like that? Those of you that are married or even dating, where's your spouse going to be? <laughs> it better be number one, right? Well, as a Christian, you know, 1A after God, maybe, but, you know, right there at the top. So God gives us this promise. Now, I was reading all through Malachi. And I came across this verse earlier when he was talking about the, bringing the blind and the diseased sheep. And this verse just hit me. It's it's how we feel so often. This is chapter 1, verse 13. You say, it's too hard to serve the Lord. It's too hard to do what he commands. It's too hard to follow his rules, right? That's why we don't do it. It's too hard to give 10%. And you turn your noses up at my command. We don't think about it that way. Somebody turns their nose up at you. How do you feel about that? That's what he's saying. That's what you and I are doing. And not just about money, anything in the book. Right? So, in your dating, say, okay, God, I should only marry, uh, date Christian guys but, or gals, but, you know, this one's cute, so I'm going to date them anyway. Of course, sex is wrong outside of marriage, but I'm going to have sex outside of marriage anyway, even though you say it's, it's wrong, God. Obviously, with our money, I know it all belongs to you and at least 10% of it should go back to you, God, but I'm going to do it my way. So whatever is in the book, you know, you know, it's my time. I'll do what I want. I won't go on a mission trip. That's too inconvenient. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe God wants you to go. So here, here's the reality. God wants to move seriously and tangibly in your direction, in my direction. And the only reason he can't is because we won't let him. We're stopping him. Our hands are closed. So that was Malachi's <laughs> interpretation of what was going on. So 400 years later, Jesus comes along. And he talks a lot, as we have talked about, about this area of money. And so a verse we looked at earlier is Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus said this. <clears throat> you can't serve two masters. He's saying you can't have two people in number one on your list. All right? can't have two spouses at the top of the list. Whatever. No one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one despise the other. You can't serve God. And we think it's the devil. <laughs> but he didn't say God and the devil. This isn't the contrast. It's God and money. That's the struggle. So you either serve God or you serve money. That's the only option you have. That's interesting because the money area is so difficult. That's why we've been talking about it for a month so difficult for us. It has our heart. We're your treasure. There's your heart also. It grabs our heart. So yeah, I can give God, God time to pray. That's, that, that's easy. But to give him all my money, give him control of all my money, that, that, that's too hard, right? Just like the people in Malachi's days. It's too hard. So Then we skip down a few verses in Matthew, and he says this. So don't worry about these things. What we'll eat, what we'll drink, what we'll wear. What is the things we worry about? <laughs> what am, it's more me or I, right? What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? And then this indictment to us that are believers anyway. If you're not, we're glad that you're here. These spiritual principles, financial principles will work for you too. These things, next verse, these things, what? Worrying about food, clothing, and drink. <laughs> dominate the thoughts of who unbelievers not jesus followers so when you and i are worried about those things we're acting like what unbelievers but your heaven father already knows all your needs now think about this those are your parents would you let your kids starve any of them buddy no you're not gonna let your kids starve all right. so is it honoring to god to let his children starve of course not. So he said, that's what he's saying here. So then a verse that's really very familiar. Uh, verse 33 says, But, instead of worrying about the things, here's your alternative. Seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and his righteousness, doing what's right, following the rules, obeying, whatever. And all these things, food, clothing, uh, drink, etc., will be given to you as well. So what is he saying our list should look like? All right. What, is, what, what should we do with our five, five things we should do with our money? Seek first what? God and his kingdom. And We talked a lot about if you, want, if you love God, you're going to love people. So give to, to God and people first. Uh, Dave Ramsey says first 10% give, second 10% is to save it and live on the rest, live on 80%. I would say live on less than 80%, but uh, that's the way it should look. Now, this isn't about getting rich. Name it, claim it, people. You know, if I do this, God's going to make me rich. He's going to pour all, my hands It won't be full enough. Well, maybe he's going to make you rich in the, in the next world, which would be better because it's going to last forever, right? So it's not about being rich. It's about relationships. It's about peace with God. It's about doing what, God wants us to do. So I'm going to simplify the list or simplify the system. Again, I'll use Dave Ramsey's method. Give first 10%, save the second 10%, and live on 80%. Let may ask you a question? What percentage are you living on? Most of you are going to say 100%. Uh, but if you're an American, you're living on more than 100%. If you've got credit card debt, you're living on 105%. If you've got car debt, you're living on 110%. If you've got student loans, you're probably living on 115%. That's a long ways away from 80%, isn't it? The other thing I thought was interesting, is an expression, given till it feels good. I mean, till it hurts. I, I, I get much better when given till it feels good. You know when it feels good? When you get past 10%. If you're a Jesus follower, that's when it starts feeling good. That's when it gets to be fun. So here, here's what you and I need to do. We need to get in control. Get in control of the percentages. Get in control of the priority list. Flip the list. One other thing real quick. <laughs> Jesus, Back in Jesus' day, they would go to the temple, and people would bring their offerings up front. We collect yours. But they'd bring the offering up front. And evidently, they had some kind of bucket or something up there and the people actually, evidently, showed what they were given. And they would drop these coins, silver or gold coins, in this bucket. It would make noise. And, you know, everybody would be, you know, noticing what the people would bring. So Jesus is there with his guys at the temple. And this little old lady comes up. She Probably nobody even noticed her. drops something in. Probably a little copper coin. Maybe didn't even hear it and walked off. And Jesus said, guys, 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 did you see that? Of course, they're saying, well, What, what, what? Did you see that little old lady? What are you talking about, Jesus? And then here's the verse He called his disciples and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. And if you're the disciples thinking, Jesus, you're crazy. So why? Because God isn't impressed with our amount. He's impressed with our percentage. So why did she give more than anybody else? What percentage did she give? One hundred. Can't? How do one hundred percent? Can you? You can't. So here it is: prioritize God and others over yourself. And why this is important? If you're especially if you're Jesus follower, because that's when, when you are like you and I are most like God. Who took the initiative? Who moved first? Who sent his son Jesus to, to earth to die for us so we could have a relationship with God and our sins forgiven? Who did that? God did that, right? He prioritized us over himself or his son. So when you and I do that, we're most like God. So here, again, here's the list. Prioritize God and others first, save, and then live on the rest. Now that, this was an interesting statistic to me. The average American household spends $1,500 a year in credit card interest alone. I'm not talking about houses and cars and all that. $1,500 in credit card debt alone, uh, the interest. So I'm saying, okay, how many families we got come to this church? How many households? Say, say we have 50. All right. So if we're an average and we didn't have credit card debt, that would be $75,000 a year that we could use for ministry. You could give to the poor. You could do whatever. 75,000, just us. So this is a huge issue, not just for our little church, but for the whole church and and the kingdom of God and all the ministries uh, out there. So our goal should be to have no slaves in our congregation. And if you're in debt, you're a slave. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. No slaves. So here's what I imagine God saying. You trust me and I'll take care of you, but if you trust you, who's going to take care of you? You have to take care of you. Who could do a better job? So the only question is, are you and I willing? We've been talking about this for five weeks. Are you willing? Are you willing to keep track of your expenses? Are you willing to honor God with 100%? Are you willing to make the adjustments in your spending, in your debt, in your extra? Are you willing to flip your list? Okay, that's your homework. Put it up on the screen. Figure out what it would look like to give first, to save second, and live on the rest. Now I'll just warn you, you'll have to change your lifestyle. But it'll be the best decision you ever made. Because you will enter into this heart change. That it's hard to describe. This peace will come over you. And God will bless you in ways you can't even imagine. I don't understand it. All boils down to, are you willing... And, you know, I won't talk about this anymore for a while. <laughs> and so, hey, I'm glad the pastor changed subjects. <laughs> I don't think about that anymore. No, 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 no. You and I need to keep thinking and doing this, this area honoring God. So let me pray with you and for you. And we'll have a song and let you go. And hopefully you can join us a whole month of July as, as we go through our At The Movie series. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. We thank you for your wisdom We thank you for uh, maybe the readjustment that we we were reminded of this morning because it's easy to drift away from doing what's right, drift away from you, God, and others to ourselves. Forgive us. We thank you that you're patient and will forgive us and help us to make those changes. For some of us, it's going to be really tough. Like gazelle intensity is going to be a struggle. God, this is truly the way we honor you this is the way we are truly free not just spiritually but financially God I pray for the folks here It we'll all uh-huh. honor you with it all for anyone that's not a Jesus follower we're just so happy that they're here God this, this financial advice will be helpful to them but more importantly is their relationship with you we would pray they would step across that line accept your son Jesus his forgiveness uh, Eternity in heaven and purpose and meaning in this life, this peace we've been talking about. It's possible. You can have it. God offers it. It's a free gift if you'll accept it. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are so, so patient with us. But we need to do our part. So I just pray we'd have the courage and the strength to do what we know we should do. These are commands, not suggestions. And we thank you, God, for you know what's best. You can take great care of us.